This podcast has been recorded in the Mianan Nation. We pay our respects to Jagra and Turbul people. We respect their continuing culture, contribution and connections to the land, water and communities. We acknowledge the First Nations people as the traditional custodians of the land and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Namaste. My name is Akashika Mahula and you're listening to the Diaspora podcast. Today our guest is his excellency Mr. A Gitesh Sharma who is a high commissioner of India in Australia. His excellency Gitesh Sharma has worked for the Indian Foreign Service since 1986 and has worked with the Ministry of External Affairs in multiple leadership facets as Under Secretary Europe East Director Central Asia Special Duty IT Enable Services Officer in the Information Technology Department of Andhra Pradesh Joint Secretary External Relations in the Department of Atomic Energy Government of India and his previous foreign assignments included Indian missions in Moscow Minsk Odessa Hong Kong Islamabad and London Prior to arriving to Australia His Excellency served as the joint secretary and additional secretary prior to his appointment as the secretary west in the ministry of external affairs where he worked directly with prime minister narendra modi this month his excellency gitesh sharma will conclude his mission in australia and with pleasure and it was my absolute honor to have a yarn with his excellency on all things india australia the precarious state of world affairs the neighbors the maha Hind Saga his life in foreign service and many more things so before we talk further here's a sneak peek followed by the podcast terrorism has uh, really affected uh, almost the entire world and and uh, no country is uh, uh spared in certain way and uh, or unaffected as a result of uh, terror but india was probably more so and if i may be very very candid that uh, there was a time when uh, it appeared that uh, uh, it was really problem that uh, you know india was facing and uh, there was not enough appreciation in the world that uh, you know terrorism was uh, being pushed in a certain way but uh, since uh, the time that men you know it uh, there were some major moments uh, where terrorism came up in such monstrous ways that the world now truly appreciates that uh, uh, you really can't uh, compartmentalize uh, terrorism or keep it in a bottle in one of the reasons i have so much respect for people in foreign service is because of their commitment sincerity and integrity to nation first raising a family in foreign service how was that like for you your excellency we saw the os index 19 occur we saw the toria naval activity in darwin through in, in the first couple of months of your arrival 85% of world defense budget is being spent on indian ocean and uh, within the first 6 months of your tenure all this was achieved indeed bad news for the marine underbelly in one location it uh, really threatens each and every country so there is a very strong case to 
come together. Certainly, we need to condemn it uh, here in our region itself. You see the Christchurch uh, massacre that uh, you know recently, a few days back, also this was uh, you know remembered with sadness. So we have faced that situation today. The world is facing that situation, and uh, our kind of countries, which greatly value diversity and uh, respect all kinds of uh, differences in uh, ways of uh, uh, practices uh, in which we, uh, you know, uh, integrate in society our own practices, distinct, plus at the same time there are other common uh, traditions and values. So we find that, uh, uh, you know, that we are on the same page with Australia and it's a friendship which is not aimed at uh, anyone, but uh, certainly at promoting certain universal values, without these values, uh, the world simply cannot function. One thing about uh, Prime Minister Modi is uh, he has, uh, you know, he, through his government, he's, he has taken all those decisions which are in the interests of uh, uh, India, and at the same time, uh, frequently you will hear his references uh, that uh, to the global kind of uh, family-like uh, uh, you know, ideals that we aspire for, that we want. So it's not uh, in this pandemic situation. It's not, uh, India is one of the world's biggest manufacturers of vaccines, but it's not about hoarding and just uh, taking care of ourselves. Uh, we've always believed in sharing what we have, whether it is in small quantities or large quantities. In the 40s, uh, it was... Uh, we, even then we shared uh, with uh, other countries in Africa. And Thank you so much, Your Excellency. What about Prime Minister Morrison? Did you have a dialogue or any engagement with the very popular SCOMO? Also, the vaccine diplomacy like you shared, it indeed has shown the virus that there are no barriers to good. Very well said, uh, Your Excellency. And who knows, one day soon we'll see Virat Kohli at the movie world in Gold Coast you know, shooting for a movie, or an, an Australian movie, for all you know. <laughs> yes. um, Will. Welcome and namaste, Your Excellency Gitesh, sir. Uh, namaste and uh, thank you so much uh, for having me on your show. Really happy, delighted. Uh, always uh, in good cheer and uh, especially with uh, such a wonderful community uh, here. I feel recharged each day as I come to work. So Gitesh, sir, you are leaving us. You are moving away back to Bharat. And so much work has been done with so much grace, so much fervor of friendship. And it's amazing to see how your old connection to Australia has connected so many new connections for a long time to come. So please share with us about your old connections and new connections in Australia that you made. I, it was just a sort of coincidence that uh, I had uh, studied in a school in uh, what is now Jharkhand, India. Earlier it was part of uh, uh, Bihar uh, state. And uh, in the 1950s, a group of uh, missionaries, uh, Jesuit missionaries, they traveled from Australia, I think it was from Melbourne, and they went into this uh, remote uh, part of uh, Jharkhand, uh, deep into the forest, 
and they set up a school there, St. Xavier's School. And uh, this was a boarding school, and some wonderful teachers went there. Uh, so I found myself in my early part of my childhood. I was admitted here, and I was in the boarding school, and I studied, finished my schooling there. So uh, it was really a, very much an Australian or Indo-Australian type of environment. Uh, sometime when I was, uh, I think, 10 years old, I was uh, uh, privileged to make a boomerang and even fly it uh, some distance uh, under supervision, of course. So, uh, you know, several things which seemed very Australian, but I never imagined one day I would actually come to Australia. That was not part of the script. Uh, you know, so it was really a bit of a surprise for me as well how life uh, sort of moved from one to another stage and uh, often unexpected ways there were twists and turns, but I ended up coming to Australia. So it's a really uh, great finale to my uh, you know, professional career as a member of the Indian Foreign Service uh, to start schooling with an Australian touch and to come here to this uh, lovely country and actually being a high commissioner uh, I think my school is proud of me uh, for having uh, reached this stage. As you move forward, you know, how has your diplomatic diaspora journey representing the world's largest democracy in the Commonwealth of Australia? Of course, we know that you represented this uh, biggest democracy to, in many other countries, especially in this pandemic time. It's, it's a very uh, unique journey. Please tell us all about it. Well, I, uh, I never imagined that our relations would be so close and, uh, you know, so kind of uh, emotional almost. There also is, you know, we are, uh, when we are friends, we have expectations of each other. We have a natural kind of friendships, which uh, sort of cement our otherwise formal relationships. Uh, I came in 2019 uh, towards the end in November, and uh, I, had, as I uh, was mentioning, that uh, I had these kind of uh, uh, stray kind of contacts with Australia, and even my professional career as well in India and elsewhere. I did come into touch with Australia in other ways and on uh, again professional issues, so I was uh, familiar with uh, certain aspects of Australia's foreign policy, but uh, nothing. Uh, prepares one adequately to uh, you know for such a relationship and uh, when I came here I was uh, uh, very surprised to know the obvious that we had reached a new stage of our relationship and uh, not only was it the usual cricket or uh, you know English language or Commonwealth as they say a kind of uh, connection but uh, at our leaders level also there was a great deal of uh, personal warmth, great deal of affection for each other. Uh, there was also uh, understanding that on many key international issues, regional issues, uh, democratic countries like uh, India and Australia, uh, where we believe in rule of law and we believe in uh, you know kind, kind of international ways of behavior, conduct, uh, and uh, democratic values, uh, respect for uh, sovereignty of other countries. So I found that uh, uh, we are similar in many ways, and uh, that has percolated downwards. So uh, if I speak uh, with a professional hat uh, on my head, 
Uh, sometime in the 1990s, a change had begun when uh, USSR collapsed and the end of the Cold War, and the world was no longer divided uh, as before into two camps. Uh, there was a lot of uh, kind of uh, issues which needed attention. You could say the climate issue, for instance, is one. There was a terror issue. So you had uh, several such uh, issues, you know, renewable energies. Uh, you had, uh, you know, other kinds of uh, international uh, forms of behavior. Uh, also, the need to help countries which are uh, not like Pacific Island countries, which are their own unique problems. So we found that whenever we went into international uh, discussions or negotiations, we found we were on the same side, India and Australia. So as through trial and error, perhaps you could say that, we found that uh, we had so much to share with each other. And uh, increasingly, we found that uh, uh, it was useful to consult, to exchange views, uh, to work together for the common good. So that's how I think uh, I would say that uh, that was really the kind of context in which I came to Australia. There was, of course, the high-level visits also which had taken place. Prime Minister Modi had, for instance, come in 2014. And uh, you could already see with uh, these large stadium-based events also that uh, there was a huge burst of immigration and uh, uh, in many cities, many places of in Australia, uh, the Indian community had come in large numbers. So uh, Australia was uh, becoming very multicultural as never before. So uh, when leaders respond, when foreign offices uh, work, they, uh, they are doing it in relation to the ground situation. And as I have mentioned, that there were so many uh, changes. And when you put them all together, uh, you piece together a bigger picture form, forms which, and where it was very, very relevant for uh, India and Australia to come together and work together. And our working together was uh, aimed at not just ourselves, but at promoting the common good. So I think uh, that is really the, uh, you know, basis, uh, you know, for our close partnership. That was the uh, context and environment in which I came. This relationship is across the board. It cuts across. It's bipartisan. Uh, in, in in Australia, uh, you remember big steps were taken by one party, followed up by another party. In India, also, we always uh, we, uh, wanted very good ties with Australia. So everything happily. The stars uh, have all come in such ways. They are lined together that uh, really creates a very conducive uh, ground for our partnership. Indeed, the stars have aligned and we can see so much growth, particularly in the recent times with the power of Cord, which is, uh, as we hear, is extendable. So talking about your foreign service, your excellence, prior to your assignment in Australia, your leadership, in the role as Secretary West for India was laudable. You worked directly with Prime Minister Narendra Modi and uh, his address at the 74th UN, UN General Assembly address was all about the extremist narratives. He 
he spoke heavily about you know calling for institutionalization of counterterrorism cooperation at the multilateral level and asserted that india will work towards enhancing ongoing cooperation and capacity building of friendly countries in this area during your time as the high commissioner of india in australia clearly australia has shown and extended that friendship bond and we can see how the dialogues of free and open indo pacific are moving forward so do you think the aggressive neighbors of india and australia are charging up or are they learning something about it what what is the latest scenario with that uh, your excellency i think our uh, partnership india australia partnership and friendship uh, as i said is aimed at uh, achieving co- the common good and uh, we really uh, do not have any enemy uh, at all and uh, you know our partnership is such that uh, is the idea is to promote world peace but having said that yes uh, uh, we live in a, a challenging uh world and uh, our own region india the region in which india finds itself uh, there are uh, very challenging moments uh, situations and conditions uh so we are uh, you know uh, we have many common uh, concerns and uh, we do uh, share with each other our uh, perspectives our from the the particular angles from which we look at uh, regional and international situations terrorism has uh, really affected uh, almost the entire world and and uh, no country is uh, uh, spared in certain way and uh, or unaffected as a result of uh, terror but india was probably more so and if i may be very very candid that uh, there was a time when uh, it appeared that uh, uh, it was really problem that uh, you know india was facing and uh, there was not enough appreciation in the world that uh, you know terrorism was uh, being pushed in a certain way but uh, since uh, the time that men, you know it uh, there were some major moments uh, where terrorism came up in such monstrous ways that the world now truly appreciates that uh, uh, you really can't uh, compartmentalize uh, terrorism or keep it in a bottle in in one location it uh, really threatens each and every country so there is a very strong case to uh, come together certainly we need to condemn it uh, here in our region itself you see the christchurch uh, massacre that uh, you know recently a few days back also this was uh, you know remembered with sadness so we have faced that situation today the world is facing that situation and uh, our kind of countries which greatly value diversity and uh, respect all kinds of uh, differences in uh, ways of uh, uh, practices uh, in which we uh, you know uh, integrate in society our own practices distinct plus at the same time there are other common uh, traditions and values so we find that uh, uh, you know that we are on the same page with australia and it's a friendship which is not aimed at uh, anyone but uh, certainly at promoting certain universal values without these values uh, the world simply cannot function brilliantly spoken your excellency how was it to work with prime minister narendra modi i think uh, leaders in uh, they always 
you know, are relevant in the times, and uh, our India has uh, considerably been transformed over uh, so many years. We are almost touching 75 years. We are very close to that. And uh, India in uh, this uh, year is very different from 1947 when we achieved independence. We made huge strides. We have, uh, you know, achieved certain levels of uh, development. And so when you have a leader who relates to uh, the conditions prevailing at a time, then he shows genuine leadership skills. And one thing about uh, Prime Minister Modi is uh, he has, uh, you know, he, through his government, he's, he has taken all those decisions which are in the interests of uh, uh, India. And at the same time, uh, frequently you will hear his references uh, that uh, to the global kind of uh, family-like uh, uh, you know, ideals that we aspire for, that we want. So it's not uh, in this pandemic situation. It's not uh, India is one of the world's biggest manufacturers of vaccines, but it's not about hoarding and just uh, taking care of ourselves. Uh, we've always believed in sharing what we have, whether it is in small quantities or large quantities. In the 40s, uh, it was uh, we even then we shared uh, with uh, other countries in Africa and Asia. And now Prime Minister Modi achieve, uh, attaches great importance, and you see Indian vaccines flying into all kinds of locations all over the world. So it's a kind of uh, uh, you know leadership which uh, uh, recognizes it's a change in India, it wants to take India faster on the path of development, and uh, at the same time, uh, we don't believe in some kind of uh, isolationism. We believe we are part of the world, and the welfare of each and every country is important. So that's what we must give uh, Prime Minister Modi for combining all those aspects and bringing out uh, a kind of a composite kind of set of uh, uh, approaches uh, which reflect uh, these kind of uh, sentiments. India is uniquely uh, positioned in many ways. And we appear, uh, on the one hand, as a developing country, which we are, and uh, with uh, poverty-stricken, large areas to develop. At the same time, India is also a world leader in several aspects. Uh, if you look, uh, you know, if you look at pharmaceuticals, if you look at uh, auto manufacture, if you look at uh, movie uh, production. So there are several areas: uh, medical treatment. Several people all from all over the world, including from the Pacific region, they travel all the way to India for some very advanced medical treatment. So India has is a kind of paradox, uh, you know. So uh, we find all kinds of uh, examples. You can just pull out any example to suit your story. So what Prime Minister Modi has done is really to uh, scale up or to try and scale up, uh, you know, our development so that uh, uh, it reaches, touches every uh, Indian. At the same time, he's never lost sight that uh, India has always been a country which has uh, greatly valued uh, uh, its uh, membership of the International Committee of Nations. Indeed, a proud moment for all Australians of Indian heritage and the Indian diaspora that make all over the world, that makes India so proud to have a prime minister like Sri Narendra Modi holding the fort. Thank you so much, Your Excellency.
What about Prime Minister Morrison? Did you have a dialogue or any engagement with the very popular SCOMO? In fact, uh, I'm very glad uh, to that you have mentioned SCOMO and uh, I did uh, thank him for that uh, gesture and I said uh, he had become a superstar in India with a huge uh, fan following and uh, indeed uh, uh, his uh, friendship with the prime minister modi uh, reflects the you know requirement of uh, the times of this era uh, you know and uh, as i said the in democracies leaders uh, they always take into account the aspirations of uh, people and what do uh, people in india and australia want they want uh, you know to also come close to each other and this promise was there um forever whenever you look back at history but now it's increasingly uh, feasible as we know uh, more about each other as we have greater travel there's a kind of digital connectivity between our countries uh, of course cricket has always been a great bond uh, economic aspects also uh, you know there enough uh, complementarities that uh, india needs various kinds of uh, uh you know resources and other kinds of uh economic uh, ways of uh, uh doing things uh, in australia has great uh, skills in innovation uh they have great uh, management experience so we need uh, all the skill education australian education is also world class uh so we need uh, australia to be more visible in in india and the fact that we uh, both uh, have a knowledge of uh, english it makes it easier we don't usually need uh, interpreters in many cases so we can function uh, really as one uh, team so when we talk about prime minister morrison that you know as a democratic leader uh, you know he would have those uh, sentiments uh, in his mind he would sense that definitely and uh, is sem- uh, similar to prime minister modi that uh, he's uh, in a while he works in the best interest of australia i'm sure the best interest of australia would be to work very closely with india and uh, he certainly uh, has a very close uh, friendship and uh, understanding with prime minister modi uh, and that is uh, very very helpful uh, in uh, achieving uh, things together in promoting joint uh, activity to achieve tangible results so i think this is something which is i found it uh, exceptional understanding at the highest level that always helps talking about all the achievements you have delivered for india so far be it the mahahind sagar diplomacy samosa diplomacy the that amplified the modi and morrison uh, relations beyond the nation also the vaccine diplomacy like you shared it indeed has shown the virus that there are no barriers to goodwill that the power of positivity is so intense that that can actually fail the virus we saw the os index 90 naka we saw the toria naval activity in darwin in the first couple of months of your arrival 85% of world defense budget is being spent on indian ocean and uh, within the first 6 months of your tenure all this was achieved indeed bad news for the marine underbelly how do you feel 
about all the wonderful footprints that you're leaving behind in Australia. I would always be uh, satisfied and happy with uh, uh, things which reflect uh, uh, our closeness. And uh, last year we did, uh, you know, following the virtual summit between our prime ministers, we, uh, you know, we uh, concluded a partnership, we forged a partnership, a comprehensive strategic partnership. Uh, and uh, these are not just words. Comprehensive literally means comprehensive in every uh, aspect of life, in every aspect of work. Uh, we are comfortable working with each other. Some may be very obvious and some may be uh, other kinds uh, we may not instantly think of. But still, uh, you know, whether you look at uh, uh, land, sea, air, and even space, recently we signed uh, an agreement on the, on space cooperation. So uh, it shows that uh, there is much uh, to think about and uh, there are a lot of areas to work on and uh, these are initial days. But uh, comprehensive is uh, really something that uh, we keep in mind. Uh, our, uh, you know, we are two countries with uh, huge capabilities in several areas, and in, we can complement each other's skills. Uh, so that's the comprehensive part. The strategic is, uh, uh, when we say comprehensive strategic partnership, it's not tactical or transactional that uh, we are just doing a deal and uh, then we go on our paths. We are here for the long haul to be together, hold hands and, uh, you know, for the long duration. So uh, so that uh, vision that is needed uh, to keep uh, sight of that objective, to move faster and deeper into the uh, cooperation exercise. So I think that has been uh, very satisfying. But uh, when we become uh, or we work as professionals, there's, uh, you're always... Uh, uh, you know, looking ahead, that uh, what has been done, it's fine. But uh, we need to look ahead. And there's always that feeling that I could have done more, I need to do more. And that's a very healthy kind of uh, uh, situation to find oneself. And uh, you look that uh, uh, it was the uh, year of the COVID uh, last year when we were all struggling to find, uh, make sense of uh, this uh, pandemic. But uh, then as we moved on this year, we have sort of uh, begun to see light at the end of tunnel with vaccines and other uh, things. Uh, we also learned to work uh, in uh, other ways, the virtual ways, for instance, the virtual using technology, achieve efficiencies. And, and the main thing is pandemic will uh, is there and will go. But uh, our cooperation is strategic for the long haul. So that is more important in a sense, and pandemic, we will deal with it. Uh, but that is another area which, uh, where also we are uh, working together on the research side. Uh, during the uh, initial days when the world was scrambling for supplies, India did supply uh, some medical items, PPE-related, uh, the other kinds of uh, some pharmaceutical products as well. So that would give an indication that uh, we understand that uh, you know our partnership is uh, not transactional. It's definitely a kind of all-rounded, uh, you know, well-rounded uh, relationship which needs to move faster and faster. So I would be happy in a way, but at the same time, 
Uh, I'm also trained in a certain way that I would like more and more, never fully satisfied. So your graceful diplomacy extended belongingness, lasting friendships with passion and vigor to transform India and Australian partnership. Do you think for the long haul that you're talking about in, a, in an extended COVID world, what would be the real challenges for these two wonder nations? I think uh, um, I've also worked in uh, certain areas of uh, economic activity. At one time, I was associated with uh, promotion of information technology in India. And uh, one thing I have uh, understood is things, uh, you know, look promising and uh, you see opportunities also, but uh, things don't happen by themselves. You really have to work hard to convert opportunities and promises into real achievements. So it's very important to deliver. So we will go on talking that there are opportunities, there are complementarities, but uh, the hard work uh, that is needed must be done, must, things must be implemented on the ground. Uh, so uh, I think there is a need to uh, acquaint uh, each other with the opportunities on the other side, the possibilities, the strengths of the other side, there's a need for more interaction. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes, let me be candid also here, sometimes uh, there are kind of, uh, uh, you know, reasonably what we might say that even casual remarks sometimes, business is not easy. And I have actually, over the years, I have developed tremendous respect for uh, business in general, I mean, irrespective of country. And uh, businessmen are, you know, they have very clear... Uh, thinking, and uh, they see benefits, uh, you know, much before others uh, see, uh, but they must still be brought together, and, uh, uh, you know, I think uh, that's where we need to work a little harder, and uh, the economic content uh, needs to be increased. We've talked about political relationship. We've talked about defense relationship. We all know about people-to-people -people relationship, including cricket. Uh, the economic side needs to be uh, given more kind of a, a bigger push uh, and uh, again it will not happen by itself you know companies will have to go there uh, businessmen will complain but uh, you know the genuine businessmen will just be there without being present you can't really achieve anything so uh, India is a huge uh, uh, is a country with huge opportunities imagine a country of 30 million which is Australia its businessmen getting an opportunity in a country of 1.3 billion people, right? And uh, India has changed uh, dramatically in the last few years. You could say 10 years, 15 years. Uh, we have the goods and services tax with uniform taxation across the 1.3 billion people. So it's almost uh, one of the world's largest common markets, actually. So you just have to enter, and if you sold toothbrushes in India, you would sell 1.3 billion toothbrushes. So look at the scales, you know, if you look at education, new education policy. I myself was in an indirect way a product of an Indo-Australian educational venture, if, you, if I could put it that way. But uh, we are talking of huge scales, amazing uh, kind of uh, targets, and Australian institutions are world-class. Uh, India also has uh, uh, world-class institutions, that's why you find our uh, you know, products of our institutions, today's CEOs in 
the top countries, USA and some of those, Microsoft, Google, et cetera, et cetera. But for us, everything is about numbers, you know. It's not 10 or 100 or 1,000. We are really talking in terms of millions, actually. So it's the upscaling, and that's where I think uh, Australia uh, can uh, make a huge difference uh, by being there. And uh, you have to get in, you have to dive in, you have to, uh, you know, sense that opportunity. And India will always be waiting and ready to handhold where necessary. So I see a great future ahead, but provided uh, there is a lot of continuous uh, hard work that goes with it. Talking about millions, we have India's 440 million plus millennial, world's youngest country evolving as we speak. How is this going to help Australia and continue the great Indian growth? In a way, uh, I know the younger lot is uh, like the younger lot anywhere in the world, and except they're in larger numbers. Uh, you know, I do recall my own uh, childhood, and uh, uh, we were handicapped in several ways. I know I would uh, read an occasional Australian publication, maybe perhaps an occasional, uh, you know, clip of uh, something in Australia. Uh, today, it's a world of digital technologies. You know, on your mobile phone, whether it's India, Australia, or anywhere else, uh, in a second, in a flash, you can see and keep a pace with what's happening elsewhere. So the young people, they have the means, and they're very well informed. Uh, I was amazed uh, to see there were a number of uh, followers in India of uh, MasterChef Australia. Again, if you have uh, 30 million Australians watching our MasterChef, Australia, be sure that uh, in India there will be a very huge number also watching uh, several uh, kinds of Australian software which goes on to various channels, whether it's internet or uh, TV or multimedia in, in other ways. So it's easier for uh, the younger generation to adapt. The world is their stage, really, and uh, you know they have all the means. They have the same means as any kid in Australia. So they can adapt very well, and you find uh, now even the diaspora is, you know, expanding rapidly in Indian here. Uh, they come and quickly make a mark because uh, they're already, uh, you know, at a different level, unlike uh, us in the 60s and 70s. Uh, so I think that's where, uh, you know, more uh, thought must be given and uh, more hard work again that uh, to see where, those opportunities are there uh, where we can have more students here, for instance, uh, where we can have Australian teaching, even Australian students going to India, perhaps. That's another uh, dimension. So uh, I think uh, the younger generation will really drive this relationship. Uh, even look at cricket. Uh, we often talk of cricket, and uh, we never realize uh, that cricket is uh, uh, is a common conversation of quite a, a number of years between India and Australia. But it's not the same cricket anymore. Uh, you know, uh, we know that Indian uh, cricket stars are, uh, you know, celebrated in Australia. But uh, I wonder if people have thought of Australian stars in India. And, uh, you know, you have many Australian uh, legends playing in the IPL and, uh, you know, Indians cheering for them. Uh, so cricket is uh, where... If you're good, you're good. That's it. 
you know, if you perform and if you're world's best, uh, whether in Australia, India, or anywhere else, you're good. That's it. So you get the respect, you get the fan following. So I think uh, our youngsters really know that you have that that moment to perform and uh, you know to be become more visible and uh, through their performance, through their achievements, through their hard work. I think the young people in Australia and India will find a lot of common ground and our two countries will greatly benefit from uh, giving attention to this dimension. Very well said, uh, Your Excellency. And who knows, one day soon we'll see Virat Kohli at the movie world in Gold Coast, you know, shooting for a movie, or an, an Australian movie for all you know. <laughs> yes. um, absolutely. Making India the third largest destination of Asia for outward Australian investment can play a key role in furthering Australia-India partnerships and alliances. Now in these COVID times, do you think Australia is still committed and focusing on this? And uh, how is this evolving back in India? Uh, well, uh, this uh, year, India's growth is uh, forecast at uh, around 11%. Uh, which would make it the fastest uh, economy and certainly the fastest major economy, uh, you know, uh, number one in the world, actually, if you look at the largest economy. So in the sense, and even in Australia, you're seeing those uh, signs of uh, recovery, you know. Uh, naturally, pan- uh, anything like the pandemic, uh, when it, you know, once in a generation you have this, or in a century, this kind of, uh, you know, virus-based or, you know, epidemics, uh, which cause such havoc. But uh, human beings are resilient, and they always uh, regroup, and they find ways of dealing with it and then overcoming it. And so I find uh, signs are already there. Already, uh, you know, Australia is uh, on the way to economic recovery, and they have uh, been very bold in in support to the uh, different segments which were particularly vulnerable in the last year in the pandemic. And uh, it seems to be coming out of that rather well. And so is India. And we all learned that, uh, uh, you know, we must provide uh, resilience in terms of our supply chains. Uh, We must also ensure employment, job keeper, uh, and, you know, job maker. Uh, So in other ways, we use different terminologies. But uh, all these are relevant uh, everywhere and india has the advantage of having a huge uh, domestic market and we are perhaps not so uh, dependent on exports although we'd like to export more so we have a huge market also so that uh, is one reason why india would be among the countries which would uh, recover among the fastest but uh, look at uh, the uh, pps for instance we hardly had pp productions at a time when the pandemic broke out. Today, we must be the second largest producer of PPEs uh, of various kinds. Uh, vaccines, you look at, India was always a big player, but quantum jump, uh, you know, uh, with uh, several different kinds of vaccine production, and we're really known as the pharmacy of the world. So we are finding uh, that uh, this has provided an opportunity uh, to rethink everywhere, including in Australia and India, and we feel that in India, that uh, we have uh, now everything together, the ingredients uh, to 
put together a nice package and uh, uh, push uh, economic reforms as never before and to make those huge jumps that are required to propel India into the league of uh, top, as you say, one to three uh, economies of the world. We are on the way, and it's only to make it grow faster and faster. So I think uh, COVID is a good time to do uh, your homework and a good time to prepare your plans, good, good time to implement, and all signs are that this is happening in both, in both India and Australia. And uh, as I said, you know, since we are essentially I know, uh, similar in terms of our legal practices, commercial practices, knowledge of English, and uh, you know, we respect uh, certain ways of doing business, uh, judiciary, arbitration, and these are all the kind of instruments and tools which give comfort to any person risking his money in commercial dealings. And we, since we are so similar in that way, uh, I think uh, uh, diving into the Indian economy and taking advantage, that is something which will benefit uh, Australian business community, market of 1.3 billion. Once again, I repeat that, that uh, this is something that is available and is for young people are the same everywhere. They have similar needs, wants, aspirations. So I'm sure that uh, they look at all the good things that Australia can offer. So we really look forward to a very robust cooperation. One of the reasons I have so much respect for people in foreign service is because of their commitment, sincerity, and integrity to Nation First. Raising a family in foreign service, how was that like for you, Your Excellency? I think that's a very important uh, uh, aspect which uh, one doesn't think about uh, most of the time and takes it for granted. Uh, it is uh, challenging, but uh, foreign services, you know, every country has its own version of foreign service. Foreign service, uh, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about it and tried to understand what foreign service uh, is, uh, you know. Uh, in the end, it's actually quite simple. Our job is to make friends. There's nothing more uh, than that. You know, it's a simple thing, a tool, a simple uh, which guides us in our work. So wherever you are, you look to make friends, to leave behind good feelings, uh, to appreciate the best parts of a country, and to appreciate the efforts they're doing to uh, you know, overcome all their all odds and uh, to develop, to reach uh, you know new levels uh, of development in every way. So we learn to look at the positive side of life. Sometimes uh, conditions are challenging, sometimes uh, not so ch challenging. But even so, that definition of challenging also can vary. Sometimes the language disability is also there. It tells heavily on a family, and especially where uh, language, uh, you don't uh, adequately know the language. Uh, fortunately, when I look back at my own career, I have I don't think I've worked in any country which where I didn't know in some way the local local language, and uh, uh, even in Hong Kong where I worked, uh, the you know business community and in administration, English was the medium of communication. So uh, in that sense, uh, I think I was lucky. The second part was I did many years in the Russian-speaking world. I'm fluent in Russian. Uh, my wife is also fluent in Russian. My daughter went to a Russian kindergarten, and uh, later on she, on and off, she forgot, picked up again, again forgot, again picked up, and finally she, when she did her 
university in the US uh, second language was russian uh, second you know she majored also in biotechnology and russian so we adapt and uh, you know i'm sure australian diplomats also some wonderful um, role models are there uh, they will always uh, you know make a name for themselves wherever they are and uh, they also i'm sure in their own uh, sweet way uh, follow that uh, you know kind of principle that uh, leave uh, leave back uh, you know good feeling wherever you go about yourself your country and make uh, lots of friends so we adapt in different uh, conditions and we are trained to deliver in different conditions in such ways that uh, overall increase uh, the kind of mutual respect for each other and warmth for each other so i think i'm satisfied but uh, your question actually makes me uh, sort of want to give uh, some credit to uh, my wife and my uh, daughter having uh, you know uh, sort of gone through such uh, life and when my daughter was very fluent in russian after doing schooling there uh, it was not easy to adapt again to india you know and uh, pick up english uh, at levels that uh, would make her a success story but she did you know so children uh, have immense mental strength as i discovered you move from one country to another uh, we will complain but in the end we will also find the solutions and uh, we will adjust in ways and we will succeed so that's uh, a great thing about i speak on behalf of the entire diplomatic fraternity including indian indeed a global citizen for life your excellency vasudeva kutumbakam you know that is india's foreign policy it believes in one world one family and especially in this pandemic time india's undergone so much and we have to laud india's resilience i mean it's seen we've seen india's resilience through the mughal era we've seen it through the colonialism and all that stuff what would be your final message for the indian diaspora and the australians who would like to visit india at some point and also letting our indian diaspora know how india is determined to modernize and reimagine a whole new india for a long time to come in general if you look at it uh you know in the last uh, so many few decades uh, we have uh, made spectacular leaps and uh, today even when i perform as a high commissioner as or it's very different uh, the flag behind you today or what there when i started career when you say you're from india or a diplomat representing india it's so different uh, today because everyone automatically associates india with certain excellence uh, i know in uh, certain areas when indian cricket team performs here you know people say wow and uh, india has now become a global beat uh, you know in uh, you know in this uh, global power in cricket and today we anywhere in the world uh, we can perform and the same thing you look at any other aspect so that's uh, one thing we have seen so if i'm ambassador and reflecting on me the same thing goes with diaspora if, if they are you know they have come from india then they will get uh, that kind of uh, respect because uh, you know they're highly skilled they you know they're very very dedicated uh, you'll also find uh, that they integrate well 
Indian community is better. You know, we are coming from a country with diversity, so it's natural many Indians will automatically speak two to three languages. So we understand what multiculturalism is. India has always been a multicultural country, and we're very happy to see Australia also increasingly diverse uh, country. So they integrate well. The second aspect uh, of the same uh, phenomenon is, uh, you know, when the world uh, sort of uh, grows and you have this technology-driven uh, development, you find Indians at the forefront. And uh, today you look on the global stage and uh, who are the performers, you know, whether you, again, you say Microsoft or Google or, you know, any of the Pepsi or any of the top names, the corporate uh, giants, uh, you know, in the world of uh, um, business management, they are Indians, uh, you know, at the, which um, very, very familiar faces. If you turn on CNN in the morning, you'll see every third face is an uh, Indian uh, of some kind, uh, whether he's talking about uh, uh, the weather uh, or the pandemic or science and technology or politics. Uh, you know, you'll find, uh, you know, increasingly Indian names, Indian faces, uh, Prominent, so that also rubs on uh, India. So just as I said, India, you know, sort of casts its friendly shadow on uh, or beneficial shadow on the diaspora. The reverse is also true. Uh, the achievements of the Indian diaspora, uh, that are seen as achievements of India. People who have often studied in India, done their initial, uh, you know, training or they spend their childhood in India, but they've succeeded on the world stage. You know, no special kind of favors given to them. They did it through their hard work and diligence. As I said in the at the outset, if you're good, you're good, and the whole world respects you if you're the best. So Indian, uh, Indians have performed uh, very confidently in very adverse conditions. So I, I really celebrate uh, that. So our message to the diaspora is exactly the same. Uh, integrate well. Respect uh, your this is, you know, local norms, traditions, wherever you are. At the same time, uh, you know uh, your Indian connection is also very valuable, and uh, we love to uh, have you take interest in India to be close to us. We feel uh, very proud of each one of you, so we uh, will look forward to um, greater achievements from Indians wherever they are. And uh, they are really model uh, citizens wherever they go. So that's really the message that uh, uh, you're fine and uh, keep doing what you're good as uh, good at. And uh, I think uh, everywhere uh, people will think of you as uh, exceptional uh, people who bring prosperity and happiness to all uh, people. As you said, uh, the world is a one family. So that's the way we are. Thank you so much, sir, for your time. And on behalf of Wired Global Media and Advisory, we wish you all the very best with peace, prosperity, and in everything that you do. Thank, Thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you. And uh...